0: We will now also read Matthew 2, the verses 19 through 23. Matthew, 9, Matthew 2, 19 through 23. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. That last verse is the text for this afternoon. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. After the sermon, we'll sing Psalm 31, the stanzas 7, 8, and 9. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you know, the various Gospel writers have different purposes in writing their Gospels. In the case of Matthew, his intention, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was to present the Gospel of Jesus Christ to God's own people, the Jews. The Jews had rejected the Lord Jesus as the long-awaited Savior. And God was busy reaching out to the Jews yet once more by way of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is at pains to show from the Old Testament Scriptures that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of those Old Testament Scriptures. The Jews would have known those Old Testament Scriptures very well. And Matthew repeatedly refers to various texts of the Old Testament and says, that this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ and that's what we have also this afternoon in the text for this afternoon he shall be called a Nazarene and I summarize the message as follows he shall be called a Nazarene Christ suffered contempt for us We'll know two things how the Lord led Christ to Nazareth, and secondly, the significance of Nazareth as Christ's hometown. He shall be called a Nazarene. Christ suffered contempt for us. We know two things how the Lord led Christ to Nazareth, and secondly, the significance of Nazareth as Christ's hometown. I think that it would be beneficial for us to briefly recap some things that took place prior to our text. As you all know, after the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary presented Christ at the temple in agreement with the Old Testament stipulations. And when they had done that, they returned to Bethlehem. And then those wise men came and worshipped Christ at Bethlehem. After that, the Lord warned Joseph in a dream to go to Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill the Christ child. And so Joseph took Christ and Mary to Egypt. But then, when Herod died, the Lord told Joseph in a dream that he could go back to the land of Israel. And he went. And he eventually settled in Nazareth, the place where Joseph and Mary had been before, before they had traveled to Bethlehem. Now, you may be somewhat puzzled because the gospel writer Luke says things differently. In Luke chapter 2, we read that after Joseph and Mary had presented Christ in Jerusalem, and had done everything required by the law, they went and returned to Galilee. In Luke chapter 2, verse 39, we read, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Does this contradict what Matthew says? No, it does not. The point is that Luke skips over all those events in Christ's earthly life and jumps right away to the time that the Lord Jesus was in Nazareth. But Matthew tells us what happened before that. And so we read about the flight to Egypt, we read about the killing of the baby boys in Bethlehem, and we read that Joseph received a dream to go back to Israel and it's important that we know about these events in Christ's early life because take for example the flight to Egypt the fact that the Lord Jesus went to Egypt and spent time in Egypt meant that he was being manifested thereby as the one who had come into this world to take upon himself the oppression of sin and the oppression of death. Because Egypt was representative of the burden of sin and death. That's what Israel had experienced in Egypt during the years of slavery, those 400 years. And those years were symbolic of the oppression of sin and death. Christ came into the world to set us free from that slavery of sin and death. And the fact that the Lord Jesus spent time in Egypt at the very beginning of his life was God's way of manifesting Christ as the one who had come into the world to take upon himself sin and all its consequences. That's the gospel. Christ came to bear the burden of of sin and death but we hear the gospel the contours of the gospel in the fact that Matthew quotes the words which Joseph received those words about going back to Israel chapter 2 verse 20 arise Take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. The land of Israel. And you recognize in that phrase, brothers and sisters, the contrast between Israel on the one hand and Egypt on the other hand. On the one hand was Egypt, which was representative of the burden of sin and death, and on the other hand was Israel, the land of Israel, which was the place of. Of promise Israel had received God's promise and the Lord Jesus was to go back there Israel was the place where God was busy working out his promise of salvation and Christ had to go back to the place of promise in order to fulfill the promise And so we read that Joseph received two dreams. First, Joseph was told to go back to the land of Israel after Herod had died. Joseph didn't receive any information about who was now on the throne in Judea. He was simply told those who are seeking the life of the child are no longer on the scene. You can go back. That's all the information he received and we realize that that's also how god sometimes deals with us today god doesn't always give us all the information the lord leads us step by step where he wants us to go the lord doesn't always give us a complete picture so that we understand everything Sometimes, the Lord simply points us in the direction that we should go. But then, once Joseph was in the land of Israel, he found out that Herod's son Archelaus was on the throne, and Joseph was afraid. It's safe to conclude that Joseph was heading toward Bethlehem In the land of Judea, after all, that's where Christ had been born. That was the city of David, and it would be the most fitting place for the Lord Jesus to grow up. Bethlehem. But Joseph was afraid to go there. And then we read in the second place that Joseph was warned in a dream not to go to Judea. At the very moment that joseph needed direction from the lord the lord gave direction joseph had obeyed the call of the lord to go to israel and when he found out that archelaus was on the throne in judea he needed direction and the lord gave it he gave another dream And he warned joseph not to go to judea you see that the lord led joseph step by step and isn't that also our experience sometimes we see sometimes how the lord leads us from one step to the next we have questions we wonder what god wants us to do and the lord points us in the right direction. But where to then? The Lord warned Joseph not to go to Judea, so that confirmed Joseph's fear. But where to then? The passage does not say that the Lord told Joseph to settle in Nazareth. The passage only tells us that the Lord warned Joseph not to go to Judea. And many commentators, therefore, draw the reasonable conclusion that the Lord left it up to Joseph to decide where to go. The Lord let Joseph think it through. The Lord gave Joseph direction but the Lord also let Joseph work it out for himself to a certain extent the Lord gave the parameters the Lord gave the general direction but Joseph had to work it out and isn't that also how we experience it many times the Lord gives us guidelines in his word by which we must live, but he leaves it up to us to work it out in detail. And Joseph worked it out. He went to Nazareth. Where else would he have gone? Joseph and Mary had lived there before. This was the place where the angel had spoken to Mary announcing that she would become the mother of our Lord. This was the place where Joseph and Mary had lived at the time when Caesar Augustus issued the decree that everyone should go to their place of origin and be registered. And the Gospel writer Luke refers to Nazareth as their own town. So Joseph worked it out, and he went to Nazareth. And so you see, brothers and sisters, how on a small scale level on a micro level the lord led christ to nazareth you see it in the details of the lives of joseph mary and the christ child but we also see it on a big scale on a macro level we see it in the happenings on the world stage because after Herod died his son Archelaus took the throne and because Archelaus was on the throne the Lord Jesus had to go elsewhere he had to go to a place other than Bethlehem and he ended up in Nazareth and Matthew says this was so that the word of the prophets would be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. We see it on a world scale, how the Lord led things in the life of Christ, that scripture would be fulfilled. And we see it also in other aspects of our Savior's life. We see also other large-scale factors affecting the early life of Christ. We see how God put things in place and in motion in order to bring His Son to exactly the right place at exactly the right time. God used those evil plans of Herod to cause the Christ child to flee to Egypt so that thereby the Christ child could be manifested for the church of all times and places as the one who had come into the world to take upon himself the oppression of sin and death we see it in the edict issued by Caesar Augustus around the time when the angel told Mary that she would give birth to the Christ child because that forced Joseph and Mary to travel to Bethlehem, the city of David, so that Scripture would be fulfilled about the birth of David's royal son in the city of David. All those things happened at the direction of the Lord. He led it all at exactly the right time, and he moved everyone to exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And it makes us think of what the psalmist says in Psalm 2. The Lord scoffs at the rulers of the earth. Herod thought he was great. Caesar Augustus thought he was great. Archelaus thought he was great. But God used them all for his grand design. For his work of salvation for his purpose in the life of his people and that's how the Lord still works today it's very comforting for us brothers and sisters God leads all things big and small so that his work of salvation will be fulfilled on a grand scale He leads and guides developments so that his plan of salvation will unfold. And on a small scale, in our personal lives, as the Lord leads and guides us in such a way that his purpose of salvation will be unfolded in our lives. And that's a great comfort. And we see it in our text, as the Lord led Christ to Nazareth so that the scriptures would be fulfilled which says he shall be called a Nazarene. And so the Lord Jesus would grow up in Nazareth. It would become his hometown. But that statement of our text, he shall be called a Nazarene, means a lot more than the fact that Christ would grow up in Nazareth the fact that Christ would grow up in Nazareth was in itself not significant at all many other people grew up there too we have to understand this allusion to the Old Testament as referring to God's purpose and work we have to understand it as an allusion to Christ's purpose and work. It's not just that Christ would be in Nazareth and that Christ would be from Nazareth, but as it says very specifically in our text, He shall be called a Nazarene. He shall be called a Nazarene and that says a lot the fact that christ would be called a nazarene is full of meaning because it indicates the attitude of the jews toward christ what was nazareth nazareth was way up in the north it was off the beaten path it didn't have much respect Nazareth was not in high regard among God's people and neither was Christ Nazareth was way up far away from the center of power and the people of Nazareth didn't count as an example think of what Nathanael said when Philip first told him about the Lord Jesus Christ we read that in John chapter 1 The verses 45 and 46, Philip was all excited that he had found the Lord Jesus Christ and that the Lord Jesus had found him. And we read in John 1, 45 and 46, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And that exemplified the attitude of the Jews toward Nazareth. It was an attitude of rejection. It was an attitude full of ridicule the people viewed christ as someone who didn't count christ was despised and rejected that means the text tells us something of the humiliation which christ would experience during the whole time of his ministry Christ came as the suffering servant who would bear our shame. We see it at the beginning of Christ's public ministry in the reaction of Nathanael. We hear it at the end of Christ's public ministry when the Lord Jesus was before the high priest and Peter was standing in the courtyard and that servant girl asked Peter whether he also belonged to the party of Christ. And we read in Mark 14 verse 67. and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, "You also were with Jesus of Nazareth." And you hear in those words something of the contempt that that servant girl had for Jesus." That contempt was a reality during the whole time of Christ's public ministry. He was rejected and he was despised and he was not received by God's own people as the Savior sent from heaven. Well, have you ever found That quotation in the Old Testament. If you were to look for it, you wouldn't find it. He shall be called a Nazarene. That's actually not a direct quotation from the Old Testament. And there are two clues for that in our text. Two clues that it is not a direct quotation from the Old Testament. And those two clues are, in the first place, that the phrase does not have the little word saying leading up to it. Compare that to verse 15 of the same chapter, where it says, regarding the fact that Christ spent time in Egypt, that he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I call my son. That's a quotation from Hosea. Compare it also to chapter 2, 17 and 18. Immediately after the description of the mourning that took place in Bethlehem after Herod killed the infants, we read, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. In our text we simply read that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets he shall be called a nazarene no reference to saying no one ever said that and furthermore the second clue is that in our text it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets plural In verse 15, there's a reference to the prophet, singular, Hosea. And in verse 17, there's a reference to Jeremiah, the prophet, singular. In our text, it's plural. That which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene so what does that mean if there's no quotation like this in the Old Testament what does this mean it means this brothers and sisters that in our text we have a summary of what all of the Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Lord Jesus this was the general picture that the Old Testament prophets gave about the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus it would be a life of rejection it would be a life of being despised it would be a life of ridicule that was the general picture and it's summarized by this statement he shall be called a Nazarene and that's why we read from Isaiah 53 if there is any Old Testament prophet who prophesied about the fact that Christ would be rejected and despised and ridiculed Then it was Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verse 3 tells us, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. I think also of Psalm 22 which we sang this afternoon a psalm which speaks about rejection we read in verse 6 but I am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised by the people he was despised and rejected and it's this psalm that our Savior quoted from the darkness of hell when he was on the cross and called out to the Father in heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was rejected and despised. Rejected not only by man, but rejected also by his Father. This was the purpose for which Christ had come into the world. He came to be rejected. He came to be humiliated. And his humiliation would culminate on the cross. God's own people shouted Crucify him! Crucify him! And when he was crucified, a notice was fastened to the cross which read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And you hear in those words, as they were fastened to the cross of the Lord Jesus, the contempt that accompanied him during the whole course of his life, from the beginning to the end. Jesus of Nazareth, rejected and despised. He suffered contempt for us all the way to the cross. But it doesn't end there. It's good news. It's gospel. He suffered contempt for us. That's the gospel of salvation. And that's why we don't only need read that description, Jesus of Nazareth, within the context of rejection and ridicule, but also within the context of Christ's victory. Christ arose from the dead. Christ conquered sin and death. And in Scripture, the name Jesus of Nazareth is also used within the context of Christ's victory. There's not only the state of humiliation in which Christ suffered contempt and ridicule for us, but there's also the state of exaltation in which Christ is manifested as the victor over sin and death. And so we read the resurrection account, and we read that when the women went to the tomb, They encountered an angel, and the angel spoke to the women. And we read in Mark chapter 16, verse 6, what the angel said to the women who came to the open tomb Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Those are words of triumph. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was rejected and despised, who was crucified. He is risen. And later, after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John encountered that crippled man outside the temple gates. And they spoke to that crippled man. And we read in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The man was healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when the apostles were arrested for that, Peter explained it before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom you crucified whom god raised from the dead by him this man stands before you whole there was peter the apostle peter sent into the world with the gospel standing before the sanhedrin standing before the jewish leaders who had condemned the lord jesus And he said to them, By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Peter presented the Sanhedrin with the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. A name which not only now referred to contempt, but a name which now also pointed to triumph. And that's the gospel. That gospel gives us great comfort because, brothers and sisters, when it says in our text, He shall be called a Nazarene. We may hear in that the gospel of God's saving grace in the fact that the Lord Jesus was called a Nazarene for us. He suffered contempt for us. But the third day, he arose as the victor over sin and death. He suffered contempt for us. That he might save us from sin and death and isaiah says it beautifully in those well-known words of isaiah 53 verse 5 these words but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed we are healed amen